I thank God for all who have led us so wonderfully in worship this morning. Great to see you all here in person and thankful to have you all worshiping online with us as well. We're in a sermon series called Epiphanies. We're looking at various scriptures that uh, encapsulate epiphanies or talking about different messages and stories that involve epiphanies. Today I want to draw your attention to a classic epiphany text from the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 60. I'll read verses 1 through 6 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of this morning's sermon is Glow in the Dark. Glow in the Dark. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Let us pray. O oh Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. I still remember a moment 11 years ago when my daughter Maggie was five years old. We were living in North Carolina at the time, and I was standing in the kitchen after a long grueling day at work. I heard little Maggie's voice call out from her bedroom, Daddy, come here. I looked toward her bedroom and saw that it was dark in there. I felt like I had inhabited darkness all day. I said, I'll be there in a minute. But I admit that I stood there for a minute or two before I went in, I did not want to have to deal with darkness anymore. Isaiah 59 says, we hope for light, but behold, darkness. For brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope along the wall like blind men, we grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at midday, as in the twilight. Among those who are vigorous, we are like dead men. Have you ever felt like this? 
like you are stumbling through the darkness, like you're sleepwalking through the land of the living, like you're struggling to see clearly, like your energy is on empty, like your fire has fizzled, like your inspiration has reached its expiration. Have you ever felt like there's a cloud of gloom hanging over your life and you're longing for a sun ray to burst through? This feeling is quite common, at least periodically. It's enough to make us want to pull the covers over our head and stay in bed all day. Or just get up and go through the motions again. Sometimes when I'm driving somewhere in town, say to the grocery store, I'll pass right by it, driving toward the church, until at some point I realize I'm on autopilot. I'm just going through the motions in a mental Days, not even paying attention to where I'm headed. The other day I was supposed to be turning left off of Patterson onto Pump Road on the way home. And I just drove straight through the intersection. My wife Dana said, aren't we going home? I said, oops, and I made a U-turn at the next available legal place. It's uncanny how easily we can slip into autopilot. Some of us may even have our life on autopilot. We're going through the motions without even thinking about it. We're going somewhere without considering the route or clarifying the destination. Muscle memory outpaces spiritual intentionality. We end up in the same places we've always been. Even after making a few laudable New Year's resolutions, even after sincerely envisioning all the ways that 2024 will be different, we can slip back into autopilot so effortlessly and move through the humdrum rhythms of everyday existence in a hazy days of busyness and fatigue and thick clouds. The alarm clock might not be able to wake us up from this condition, but Isaiah can. (laughs) After his dreary depictions of darkness, gloom, and stumbling in Isaiah 59, the prophet roars in Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. Suddenly, a shimmering ray of light has burst through the thick clouds. God's light from heaven is beaming upon us. We've been stumbling through the darkness, but no more. We've been going through the motions, but no more. We've been down in the doldrums, disheartened and discouraged, but no more. 
Wake up from your slumbering dimness, says Isaiah. Open your eyes. Snap out of it. Look where you are. Look where you're headed. Don't sleepwalk through life. The curtain has been thrown wide open. Your light has come. I know you might still have to work eight to five at the same old job. I know there's still laundry to fold, dishes to wash, and bills to pay. I know there's still food to cook, cars to fix, trash to take out, taxes to prepare, doctors to visit, floors to sweep, and kids to discipline. But the light has come. (laughs) The dismal overcast has given way to the luminosity of God's glory. This is a marvelous reminder. Every year at Epiphany, a holy season of the Christian calendar, right after Christmas. The word Epiphany comes from a Greek term meaning to appear or to manifest or to be revealed. And Christ has been revealed as the light of the world, according to John 8. Just as a floodlight shows us what we cannot see clearly in the darkness, so Jesus illuminates God's identity. He throws light upon the very face of the Almighty. In Christ's birth, in His life, in His ministry, in His teachings in his death and in his resurrection he shows us God's grace God's love and God's truth he shows us God's way God's righteousness and God's forgiveness he shows us God's justice God's compassion and God's power although God retains a measure of mystery we are not left disoriented in the darkness we are not left stumbling through the shadows. We can see who God is by the light of Jesus Christ. And when we see who God is, we can see everything else with a lot more clarity. When author Philip Yancey was a sophomore in college, he attended a Bible college, although he was not a Christian. In fact, Yancey deliberately and snidely rejected Christianity at every turn, making the most of each opportunity to be contrary to the gospel. In the prayer group he was required to participate in, the meetings consisted of three other guys praying aloud in turn, followed by an awkward silence during which Yancey refused to pray. Week after week, the other three guys would each pray in turn aloud, and then there would be this weird, strange silence during which Yancey refused to pray. But one week, on one particular night, after the other three guys had prayed, Yancey surprised himself and the others by talking out loud to God. During his prayer, he referenced the parable of the Good Samaritan. God, he said, 
we're supposed to feel the same concern for university students as the Samaritan felt for the bloodied Jew lying in the ditch. I feel no such concern. I feel nothing. Then in the midst of this strange prayer, the parable suddenly came to Yancey in a new light. He pictured the good Samaritan as Jesus and himself as the Jewish man lying injured in the ditch. In slow motion, Yancey recalls, I watched Jesus reach down with a moistened rag to clean my wounds and stanch the flow of blood. And as he bends toward me, I see myself the wounded victim of a crime. Open my eyes and spit on him full in the face. Following this vivid epiphany, Yancey realized that he might be the neediest person of all whom God was seeking to help. This moment marked Yancey's conversion to Christian faith and it encapsulates a lesson that all Christians must learn over and over again. Namely, we receive Christ's loving ministry to us before we go and do likewise for others. We receive the grace of Christ for ourselves so we can then be gracious to others. We receive the forgiveness of Christ for ourselves so we can then be forgiving to others. We receive the compassion of Christ so we can be compassionate. We receive the hospitality of Christ so we can be hospitable. We receive the warm light of Christ so we can then shine with a warm light for others. As recipients of the divine light of Christ, we are indeed responsible to shine. Arise and shine, says Isaiah, for your light has come. You are the light of the world, says Christ. A city on a hill cannot be hid. He calls us to let our light shine before others so they can see God's love through our good deeds. But we do well to remember that we don't shine by our own power. We don't sparkle by our own strength. We glow because the light of Christ is reflecting on us. In a sense, then, we're called to be like the moon, which has no light of its own, but brightens the darkness as it reflects the light of the sun. Similarly, we brighten up this gloomy world when we shine by reflecting the light of Christ that is beaming upon us. Our first priority as Christians is not to go and serve the world. It's not to reach out, do missions, and evangelize. Our first priority as Christians is not to do, do, do to others. It's to bask, bask, bask in the light of Christ. We can't give Christ to others without first receiving Him ourselves. Before we shine for Christ, we must thoroughly 
absorb the light of Christ. His light makes us shimmer with a warm love that we desperately need for ourselves before we share it with anyone else. His light makes us glimmer with bright joy that we desperately need for ourselves before we share it with anyone else. His light makes us glow with glistening peace that we desperately need for ourselves before we share it with anyone else. The bottom line is we need to glow before we go. In Luke 24, the risen Christ charges his disciples to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in his name to all nations, starting right there in Jerusalem. Yet, he says, stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. In sending his followers on a worldwide mission, Christ tells them first to wait until they are sufficiently empowered by the Holy Spirit. Likewise, in John 15, Christ tells his disciples that God is glorified when they bear much fruit. Yet, he says, a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. In calling his disciples to bear fruit for the glory of God, Christ first tells them to abide in him, the true vine who enables their fruit to blossom. The message is similar in Isaiah 60. We are not to go running off to brighten a dark world until we've spent time radiating under the light of Christ. When we soak up His warm grace like sun rays on a beach, we will glow so brightly that we can brighten the lives of others. When we soak up His power like solar panels on a rooftop, we will be so energized that we can inspire the hearts of others. This is one reason we gather for worship on Sundays. As we praise God in the presence of the Spirit and the fellowship of the church, we bask in the glorious light of Christ. We bask in the light of God's grace in here so we can glow with the light of God's love out there. We can bask during the week too by putting aside distractions and reading the four Gospels. We can bask during the week too by turning away from other things and turning to God in prayer. When we bask as a church in the light of Christ, we begin to glow. We glow with a warm love that shines upon the righteous and the unrighteous. We glow with the same radiant forgiveness that has taken away our own guilt. We glow with the sparkling joy of God's astonishing grace. We glow with a bright peace that surpasses all human understanding. We glow with the luminescent humility that points all praise and credit and glory to God. And as we glow like this, we find people are drawn to us. Nations will come to your light, 
says Isaiah. Lift up your eyes and see. They all gather together. They come to you. When we shine in a world of dreary darkness, people are attracted. Sure, some may try to shut out the light because they find it disturbingly bright. Sure, some may try to stamp out the light because they find it uncomfortably revealing, but others will be drawn to it. The light of Christ has a magnetism that pulls people in like a midnight campfire gathering hikers on a mountainside. People love to gather around a light amid the darkness. And through Christ, we can be that light for others. We who have received the holy epiphany of the light of Christ can spark epiphany experiences for other people. It reminds me of Philippians chapter 2 where the Apostle Paul says in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, children of God can shine like stars. Indeed, through the grace and glory of Christ, we can shine like stars that disrupt the darkness. Which brings me back to that night 11 years ago when I was sick of the darkness. That night 11 years ago when I had just finished a long, grueling day at work. That night 11 years ago when I stood in the kitchen, downcast. My young daughter Maggie called to me from her bedroom saying, Daddy, come here. And after a minute or two, there in the kitchen, I finally walked over and entered the shadows of her dark bedroom. Little Maggie pointed up at the wall, and there I saw a bright star glowing in neon green. It disrupted the darkness beautifully. It defied the darkness marvelously. I could see Maggie smiling beneath the light of the star. She said, isn't that cool, Daddy? I said, yes, sweetheart. It's always cool when something glows in the dark. Amen.